he said, welcome to another edition of Michael L. Craver Presents. Things might get ugly today, talking about children. <laughs> My topic is very simple. It's, it was a conversation that I had uh, with a woman in my dreams, right? But what can you say in front of children? And I wrote my, my notes out, you know, what can you say? What do you want to say in front of children as you graduate to more age-appropriate? And all these words that I say are extremely subjective. They're selfish. You have a selfish interest in how your children are raised. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a personal reflection upon your reputation, your legacy, your family. You know. How you convey and practice your active heritage is a sore subject for some people in the world. <laughs> that word heritage in and of itself has this secondary connotation of That's my heritage. You redneck bastard. We all, you know, it's all this, it's all this stuff's going on. Anyway, this all stems from just thinking about my my son's got a birthday. He's turning eight on Monday. Hang out with the the blue-eyed devils. And uh, as all the kids get together and they carry on and exchange information, you know, Colt, my oldest, is 14, and daughter's 12, and Jonathan's eight. And so, um, and they'll be hanging with their cousins and things. So it's always interesting to see how in, Intuitive. Everybody is. They're asking questions. They're showing things to each other. They're doing all this wonderful sort of. Um, uh, hey, did you know? No, did you know? And there's this very um, innocence sort of thing um, where you know they they are not the children who come over and they say, mm-hmm, "Let me tell you about this subject," and somebody else is going to combat that and say, no, no, I know more about that subject. Your information is wrong. Nanana boo-boo. Adults do this. You know you do this. You stand next to somebody at work on the telephone, on social media, and somebody has a belief, a thought, their version of truth, what they think is accurate. And you've got to step on their toes. No, oh, Jimmy, that's not right. I went to ilovemyfacts.com and check it out. Here's what they said. Kids can be that way. They can. Adults can be that way. It's one course of action. But it's not how it has to be. Do me and you have to argue about stuff? I can say, oh, with what you, you believe what? Why do you believe that? Where'd that come from? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you can hear the inflection in my voice. Where'd that come from? You know, (laughs) but it doesn't mean, number one, there's not a verdict that comes out of this. So when people say, you're judging me, if there's not a verdict at the end, (laughs) nobody's judging you. Not the way I look at it. I'm a very math and science kind of guy, right? It's a technical thing. Are they metaphorically the abstract idea that they're judging you? For what? They could be stereotyping you. The judgment is... You understand this, right? They're classifying you into their own categories, or their, their own census taker, and they're going to put you where they think you belong. This demographic? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These are very simple things. <laughs> I mean, 
folks want to use these very complicated like words of authority as if that makes the <laughs> it's so strange they'll take an unofficial person to person this off the record sort of exchange and trying to use these authoritative sort of official words titles actions that's right you're passing judgment Judgment? What? Is this going to affect your permanent record? Well, uh, not exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, really? Is there, are, there, are there litigants? Is this going on the docket? There's a clerk? No, no judgment, huh? No. I've never, been, <laughs> I've never been in front of somebody and said, Frank, what do you think about this? You know what? Judgment for the plaintiff. I'm like, what the fuck, Frank? <laughs> what, are you t- what are you talking about? I'm trying to ask you to settle a bet here. You know. But, uh, because, you know, gambling is illegal in most parts of the country. You can't settle a bet with a judgment. You think you can do that in Vegas? Um, and I don't know that there are... Uh, I'm ignorant to the way that court systems work on the reservations where they can gamble because they, you know, they gave that to the uh, Native Americans as a way to generate revenue. So, um... It's just it's just so strange, and, and kids do that with each other, you know, and, and adults do it probably worse than kids because they got more resources to be able to hassle and piss each other off. What becomes important about what you say to kids is what it becomes as they become an adult. And I talked about this in previous episodes this week. You you sit down and you have a discussion with somebody. It's it's that bubble you live in, right? But if, are you thinking about? Th- the picture here or are you thinking about the picture once it gets blown up put on the wall and we can see all the imperfections and and things in a age where things used to be black and white television and just 60 70 years ago and now you have you know 2160p ultra 8k hd you know everything is it's wild technology that it will show flaws that were always there, but it's microscopic in a way, right? You're not using a microscope, but you are zooming in, and you're doing it in such a way that you see all... Oh, look, mm-hmm, not so perfect now. That was always there, you dumb shit. Like, the technology just shows it more. That guy was always guilty. We just didn't always have DNA to prove it. Or he would have always been a person who has actually committed the crime we might not have always been able to convict him now with dna we can you know go up his ass with a microscope and just mm-hmm, we got your whole life right here and we do that to people on social media and otherwise you go out and you you look at somebody i want to know more about that person let's mm-hmm, let's google their name let's <laughs> and then you you've got your information i know mm-hmm, i know all about you do you? <laughs> okay. It's in the report. <laughs> Is that right? I just, it's so strange to watch people kind of. As evolution goes along, we become stronger and more enhanced human beings, right? It's it's very strange that we, as a people, are mammals who came from this, who came from apes, who came from, right? And somehow they want to cross over with the donkeys and make an ass of themselves. And it's it's just so strange. Most people want to be Winnie the Pooh or Piglet or Eeyore. Tigger. Eeyore. 
I think no, it's going to be Eeyore. Well, I say that because at least if you throw that in there, it's a possibility, right? You want to make an ass of yourself, be a famous ass. Eeyore. Some of you might be thinking of something more visually conducive to your perverted minds, but I just, it's, it's strange to watch people have these conversations that start out as children. It starts out as a practice that you have, you're a habitual creature. And as you're a very young person and you start instigating people and starting fires and hurting animals and then you grow up and you're a serial killer, we don't have a lot of questions about that. We know that. You're watching as an adult, you know, what happened to that guy? He was traumatized as a child. He was left unattended. He was wickedly, you know, traumatized by an outside force, by the Boy Scout leader, whatever it might have been. And now he has a lot of issues as an adult. And it happens. Some people are born with that gene, right? That's a good argument to have. You guys have never had this argument. It's That's right, it's a gene. He was born gay. He can't help it. What about that guy over there who's a pedophile or homicidal or he just wants to, you know, set fires or whatever it might be? He's born that way. I was born to play football. No, you weren't. You learned to play football. No, no, he was born that way. You know, where does that argument begin and end? It's It's behavioral, right? Are some people not more conducive to be handicapped, gluten-free, allergic to something else? Fair heights. Where does it begin? Where does it end for you? These are good questions. These are good questions that you might start asking, and a kid might ask innocently, Hmm, where's that? Dad, where does that come from? Let's go look it up. We'll, <laughs> we'll make our determination based on the Google results, son. We'll Google it. Wikipedia's got all the right answers. <laughs> yeah, right. Because that's what I have on my list here. I read my list to you. Get my 10-minute introduction of, of mayhem out of the way. What can you say in front of a child? Okay, and these are just some different points of order. Name-calling. Mm -hmm. Can you call people names in front of children? Labels. It's important how you label things in front of children. How you interpret labels. Perhaps, and here's something that me and, and other folks that I've <laughs> shared meals with disagree on, expiration dates that are on products are merely a suggestion. They are. There's no law that says you can't sell them past the expiration date or otherwise. It's something they do out of customer convenience. It's something they do to help you in your little bubble. The reality of it is, it's not expired. It's just a suggestion. Can I still use it? Of course. Still use it if you want to. Can you still use that car even after it's out of warranty? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, don't take my word for it. Look it up, folks. I think uh, John Oliver has a wonderful piece about the, the amount of food that gets wasted in the world, and it covers a little bit of the expirations and things of that nature. Uh, no, they can't sue you for it or anything else. It's a suggestion. And if, if you want to see the suggestion that is most powerful, the rating agency for all the loans and the home mortgages that were all bullshit that they sold across the world before the housing bubble broke in 2008. Those mortgages were all highly rated by the official rating agency. And um, they brought them in front of the Congress of the United States of America and said, hey, hey what are you doing rating these terrible mortgages Triple A. They're rated at the highest rating. And they said, they're merely a suggestion. It's merely an opinion. 
It's just an opinion. Same thing with expiration dates. Just an opinion. Your tone for silly terms versus your tone for importance. Right. So if you exaggerate things in front of your children, and, oh my God, this McDonald's drive-thru. And then there's a guy who's coming to turn the water off, and you're just as emphatic. Same show and dance. Same dog and pony show. Is that what you say? Why would the dogs and the ponies have a show together? We'll explore that sometime. But when the McDonald's drive through episode that you spaz out about is just as important as when they're going to turn off your utilities, maybe you don't have yourself in line with the word uh, importance. Your values are more or less across the board even for everything, right? Small things are just as upsetting as large things. What does that mean for your heart rate and your overall health if you're going to stay stressed out over, like, you know, that should it affect you that much? Now when you're a child, somebody slaps you. And you have a crying episode for an extended period of time versus he poked you in the eye where you have to emit tears from your tear duct. Right? You can't help it. Punches you in the nose. You're going to cry. Come on, sorry. All right. Now, that kid that's putting on that dramatized show and they're exaggerating and they're doing that, right? What happens when they're actually hurt? Well, they do the same thing. Yeah, right? Because if you exaggerate the smallest thing to the highest level, then when something on the highest level happens, your reaction matches. What does that mean to, to every, all of your other interactions in life? Is it the same with love? Oh my God, this is the greatest gift ever. Like, it's a fucking $5 gift card. If I come and bring you a car, are you going to call that the greatest gift ever? Like, is that the same? I mean, we just all got to be equal. <laughs> Fuck, we aren't. Like, it's one of those things where, like, if you get upset at your spouse, at your co-parent, guardian, somebody else in the world, and they say something in front of your child, your reaction should be to the importance of that specific interaction. It has a value that is different than other values. Co-parent comes. We're dropping the kids off. You know, you're really getting on my nerves, buddy. Come on, kids. Get in the car. Your other parent is a real piece of shit. Uh, what, what? You saying that to my kids? In front of my kids? Like, that's just... I don't care if it's written in a document, if it's in a separation paper, if you guys are happily married. Like, those are just things that you just... What did the guy do? Did he shoot a cop? Burned down a building. What did he do to, you know, there's there's things where you might could label him that way. Has he met, what's that word we use on this podcast? Has he met the qualifications? <laughs> Doesn't sound like you have any basis for that right now. What's the reason? And this is where you want to talk to your kids about asking questions. Remember that questions episode we had? Mm-hmm. Mommy, what did he do to be a piece of shit? Why do we know this word now? What's that word worth? Oh, you give them some minimal explanation. Now the word is can be used at a minimal level. It's not a curse word. It's an everyday word. It's a throwaway word. You qualified it that way. You devalued your own verbiage. 
right? You decided this is, oh, man, I got to get upset. I got to say something. Then they figure out what you said is in reference to something that is very small. It's not important. Not to them. Now, you got to remember that this important as you communicate your language is going to be interpreted by other people. They're their own detectives. So they're going to look at your circumstances. Did that word apply? Is it given a fair value? It's, oh, it's not. Yeah, now they don't trust other judgments that you've made. It just becomes part of what happens underneath the umbrella. That's what happens. Uh, jokes, context, and topics. Listen, my kids grew up watching Looney Tunes, Huckleberry Hound, Tom and Jerry. I was very big on watching Beavis and Butthead. Or, or put, I'd put a scary movie on in the other room. If they want to come in there and give it a look, give it a look. You can be inquisitive. If you're scared, you're scared. And if you like it, you like it. But I didn't make them stay, right? Well, you shouldn't even expose them to that. Ah, it's Friday the 13th. I mean, grew up on that stuff in the 80s when I was, you know... Uh, I don't, we're not going to see that. If, if, if you don't agree with me, it, it's the old Jeff Jarrett statement about wrestling. To those who believe, it needs no explanation. And to those who don't believe, no explanation will do. That's from the History Channel's um, like behind-the-scenes uh, wrestling documentary from like 97, I believe. Jeff Jarrett was saying that about wrestling fans. You know, they believe the show. Well, maybe they believe, maybe they don't believe. But explanations... <laughs> They're out the window on this one. My kids want to watch a scary movie. They watch a scary movie. Watch something else if they want to. But I like the old, the the pure <laughs> uh, action and reaction that happens in the old cartoons. Here's Wiley Coyote. He's going after the Roadrunner. Roadrunner gets away. Coyote, <laughs> you know, and he lives to fight another day. He's a cartoon character. We look at it like it's silly. Nothing wrong with that, you know. The kids grew up watching a lot of the um, Discovery Channel things because I would download Blue Planet or the Shark Week, Jurassic Fight Club off the History Channel. These things that show uh, these great things out of science and history class um, in their element, right? They're animated, but, I mean, they're done with, you know, these experts from different museums and schools and things of that nature. And these people are highly <clears throat> qualified to talk about this stuff. They made their life's work. They're going on the record. They're on video here. They're on DVD, quite frankly. And I enjoy um, watching those kinds of things. It's just, it's wonderful for me. Um, but, I mean... Are you in the neighborhood of you need your kids to have those moral lessons that ha happen in just like it, I've seen the current cartoons and you're watching Baby Boss or Powerpuff Girls or PJ Mask or whatever it is and if you don't see the intrinsic social values that are all of this you know. I've got five fingers, and they all grow flowers, and we're all going to be friends. Come pick my flowers, and I'll pick your flowers. What? <laughs> That's right. Nobody gets ahead in business by cutting off the... <laughs> we all encourage each other to shop at each other's stores and pay everybody $25 an hour, and we never cut corners. <laughs> we never 
look for any means to increase profitability or otherwise. Like the baby boss episodes are some of the worst because, you know, the kid is the the guy who's doing all the talking. He's running the family. He's running the show. And that's not how the world works. It's a very dangerous example to give to kids at large. And like, uh-huh, I'm in charge. Well, you've taken corporal punishment out of the schools where you can't beat them. And, you know, they'll call it and label you know, everything abuse. And <clears throat> you want, you know, nothing more than to stay away from shame on social media because you had to kick your kid in the head. What do you mean? What? Who's kicking their kid in the head? They're going to jail. Nobody's here is conveying or justifying a criminal act you know, toward a child. But you know the the thing of spanking somebody with a hand, a paddle, or otherwise, like those are very accepted things throughout the world. And they've been practices we had in place uh, <clears throat> in the old days. You know where we didn't have economies that collapsed and people that fucked each other over left and right and tried to storm the capital and things like yeah you know the modern problems of the world see these were the old habits that we had the old practices led to different results now we have new practices and they've led to their own results are you happy with the results maybe you ought to practice something a little differently these age old institutions like I don't know, Kentucky and Carolina and Duke and people like to go there because they have the traditions and they oh and they get results. Oh mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean it just happens. Well that's not fair because people from those schools, uh they um hire their own. They do business with their own. It's a secret society. It's the Illuminati. <laughs> I mean, you can argue all you want that people who go through the similar systems have a kinship to one another. Kids who think a certain way as their kids uh, gravitate towards people who have the same backgrounds. It's a habitual thing as you grow up. Abused kids grow up usually have abused friends, abusive boyfriends, things of this nature. Look around you. I was a brat. I was a pastor's daughter. I was this. I was that. They were held by these obscure standards and turned out to be obscure people. And the strange thing about it, a lot of those people overbreed. I mean, the population out of control as it is. If you got two, three, four, five, six kids, you're making. If you previously, right? I'm sorry. Let's give a, a, a specific example. Uh, two people with X number of dollars for a household income 50 years ago made this much money, could provide this way for their children, and had two children. Mm, mm. Now we inflate it. We change the times. Now we're in 2020. These people make this amount of money, and they have three kids, four kids. They divorce. <gasps> Wait a minute now. Right. So now that money goes to pay two sets of bills and two separate houses and two separate ways of life. They get half as much time with each parent if they're getting a quarter of the percentage with parents overall because both parents have to work. Maybe they previously both didn't have to work. And you expect the results to be anywhere close to that. The idea of what you talk about in front of your kids comes from how you're raised. Are you raised to be someone who's going to co-parent? Who has a two-parent household? Who 
remains with the biological parent because that would help a lot throughout their developmental years. This idea that people used to have conviction and commitment and stay with the biological parent, you know, the other person, for the sake of the kids. And then they couldn't stand each other anymore and they said something. They did something. They set a bad example for their kids. And what did they say in front of their kids? What did they say to their kids? That becomes that becomes increasingly important to the rest of the world. Because even as we have 7 to 8 billion people get higher one person can do plenty of damage to a community, to their environment at large. They just can. And it's strange to look at how nobody in many situations is aware of that. The individual situations. Yes, there's many people who work on you know, homelessness and hunger and everything in your community. Okay. They're working with kids, abuse kids, kids who need tutoring, kids who need, you know, instructions. They want to play recreational sports, and they're coaching, and they're donating time to umpire and so forth. Okay. There are a high number of people who are going to help out and help the kids and help them have a path, right? And they're talking to kids, and they're giving the kids, you know, what we would think is a little bit of structural advice, good practices. We talked about practices. Okay. Now... They have minimal influence. They don't have any blood ties to the kids. They have good intentions. Mm -hmm. However, they are not in the individual situations. They're not at the dinner table that may or may not exist. They're not there when you're talking nonsense as a parent and as the most influential role model the kid has. They're not there. My coach doesn't act like this. Even when we're going up against those hooligans over there from... Winchesterton Fieldville, Iowa. We're going to win our soccer game. We're going to beat those kids. Coached by Dr. Peppers. Okay, great. He didn't talk bad about them, right? He didn't have to bad mouth them. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice good things. We're going to make good passes, crisp kicks. We're going to be available. We're going to be faster. We're going to be in position. We're going to score. We're going to win our soccer game. Period. And <laughs> But you're going to win because of your practices, not because of somebody else's failures. Sure, you can exploit their weaknesses, but their weakness being that they're not keeping up with you, that you are more competitive than they are. Not because you sabotage them or otherwise. It's how it is, right? So as a parent, if the kind of questions that you're asking your kids is what can you do to better yourself, great. But so many of the practices in the world are built around breaking down what's around you to make you seem a little more special just the way you are. You don't need progress. You just need a way to look at everyone else through a lens that tells you that they're not as good as you are because of their political beliefs, because of Whatever's going on in their community, their life changes, their heritage, their privilege, their whatever it is. That subculture is extremely conducive to excuses, to being anti-progress. It's just sad. I'm better than you at this video game. You don't tell me otherwise. Jim, you're 40. Like You're still walking to work. You're calling up Uber. Like Get a car. Get out of this apartment. Go do something. It's not progress. What else have I got here? Ask them what they think they know. What are their sources? And at what point do you correct them? 
And that's really sort of an extension of one idea in three layers. And you got people at large who... That, like I said earlier, their sources are the things... That I'm right... Di- <laughs> I think that's Doug Stanhope that tells it. You know, he goes and he goes up on stage. He's doing his comedy act and he's he's telling... Is it Stanhope? It'll come to me, maybe. But the uh, the young man who's doing the comedy act is he's standing there on the stage and he says, you know, you have the way you feel about this subject, and so you go start punching in <laughs> your on your keyboard, go to I'mRight.com and try to find all the, the pertinent information that supports everything that you need, and that's all you gotta have. You're not looking for the other side. You're not looking for the negative, the side effects, any flaws in your argument. You're not breaking yourself down. Objectivity is not your goal. You want the propaganda that makes it more comfortable, where you got a warm and fuzzy feeling inside, inside of your your body. You got all that donkey fur protecting you as a jackass. Never occurred to you to question yourself, question your sources, look at it from another point of view. This is one of those, the last question there. Do you correct them? Well, the question is, should you try to, you know, do this about yourself? Lead you correcting other people? Are you qualified to correct them? Oh, yeah, it's great. Ask people a question. Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. You ever think about it in a different way? Okay. That's all you got to ask. All you got to say. I mean, you don't even have to. You're not obligated to ask that much. But just letting them have self-reflection is one of the best ways that people are going to be able to grow on their own. They can't grow on their own if you're helping them. That's not done on their own. What's the old George Carlin? You know, he says, there's no such thing as a self-help book. That book's written by somebody else. If you need help, you didn't do it yourself. There's no such thing as self-help. If you do it yourself, you didn't need help. <laughs> And he's, you know, from the terminology, he says, <laughs> what is his, his his quote? And I'm sure there's people listening who are gonna, who are already doing the routine in my head. But um, try to pay attention to the language we've all agreed upon, <laughs> he says. But I, I get, uh, I get lost in thinking that I was exposed to the same opportunities to run across these speakers, comedians, researchers, any of the sources, any of them, good or bad. These are the sources that are part of what I experienced. Maybe they differ from somebody else's. They're all available, right? Especially for the internet, right? But how do they end up with their sources and I end up with my sources? How do I know what the forecast is going to be tomorrow, but you don't look into it or you don't care? And yet you're going to ask me, you know, what's it going to be like tomorrow? Well, look at the weather, jackass. What do you want me to say? Like, we can both look at the weather. What time is it? Look, did you leave Walmart? Do you not have, number one, pull your smartphone out. There's a clock on it. Two, did you not buy a watch at any point previous to this in your past and keep a working battery in it? Couple of bucks, man. Even the cheap watches at uh, any Kohl's, Target, Walmart—ten bucks, fifteen bucks. Swap a battery out for six dollars. I mean, hell, it's you know the the cost of time broken down on a yearly basis would be less than a couple of bucks. 
And if you do it by second, you know, values, it's almost beyond calculation. And I mean, you could essentially what I'm saying is you buy a $10 watch, it lasts for two years. How many seconds are in those two years? Okay, so that's what that watch costs per second, which is, you know, point, <laughs> you know, it's a good $10 to spend. Know what time it is. Be accountable. Math and science, people. I wonder how long it takes to get from here to there. Look at your watch. Real simple. Remember it. Write it down. Text it to yourself. Use some other means. Piece of tape. Try a race marker. Whatever you got to do. Just put a little sticky on, <laughs> on that part of your watch and see how many times it goes around. Buy a stopwatch for $10 too. Hanging around your neck when you're going somewhere. But with modern technologies, with smartphones, with the things that we have, knowing what to say, who to say it in front of, how verifiable it is, it's very simple. Number one, to use the chance that you get with your education, right? You got to be in school. You got to be going. Don't, you know, get hit up by the truancy officer. Learn, retain, and practice. Well, if you're doing that several hours a day and mentally exercising, imagine how little you need to use your phone to try to find out the basic things that were already paid for in time in the past. If you piss away all of that opportunity for education for 12 years and you enter the workforce and you wonder why you're not the manager in five years, hmm you didn't learn the basics in the first 12 years in your developmental stages. And these are the practices and the habits you've formed. Hmm. Then you want to know in five years why you're not more qualified or supervising the people who utilized that 12 years. It sounds to me like they got a good head start on you. I think so. And I think you know so. These ideas that you take higher learning institutions or old practices and traditions and you try to say, oh, huh, Illuminati. You got your diamond symbol and all that bullshit. It's so strange how these questions that I'm talking about, when you put them underneath a light, when you illuminate them, <laughs> they spread. And like cockroaches, they, you know, they're running from the light. And the same kind of thing I'm talking about when you take the old flaws that were always there, and you show them in high definition, under the light, and you project them. You're projecting, are we? Projecting just means showing something on a larger scale. Doesn't change what's being shown. Doesn't transfer it. The store, the um, <clears throat> source remains where it's at. It's just a projector. Where's the image in an overhead projector? It's right there. Where's the paper that you're using, right? The markers, the transparency, all that stuff. Where's the image over there? Two different things. There's a process that it's going through to be projected. It's not a bad thing. It's a learning process. It's a project. Project managers, they build things. They don't destroy things. Don't ever use the word project in some way that it's negative. It's demonstrative because it demonstrates. But you might hear that. Yeah, demonstrative. That sounds bad. Evil. Uh-huh. It even starts with the word daemon. 
No. <laughs> Construction is about building. It starts with the word con. Doesn't mean everybody that's on the job site is on parole or something. It's just people twist things. And so when I say, are you asking people what they, or kids or in general, what they think they know and what are their sources? Sometimes it's like uh, any other superstitious thing. They're not worried about what they can tangibly prove. They're not worried about evidence. They're not worried about the real world. Remember I was talking in the last episode about the bubble you live in, living in the real world, in reality. They're the ones worried about practicing superstition. The folks that are... They're unaware of what you can talk about in front of kids and what you can't. The example that was set for them is the same example of practicing adults, parents, people that knew them, raised them. They might have been alcoholics. Aren't there some statistics about people raised by alcoholics growing up to be alcoholics? People who were abused growing up to be abusers. People who are the children of certain heritages. Maybe undesirable behaviors in modern times. Raised by people who were just doing the same thing. Sometimes the world changes its expectations, right? Because you used to be doing this, which was accepted, and now it's not. Very understandable. Now we know better. Okay. But is the human race and the society you live in more knowledgeable on the subject and weaker because of the practices we've adopted. And I use the word adopted in a double entendre kind of way because adopted kids don't have their biological parents. They're not in part of the same heritage. They don't have their origin story. They lack many of the components that children raised by biological parents have. These are studies that you can go and read for yourself. <clears throat> I went to I'mRight.com. Then you did... And your information is of this value, and my information is of a different value, and people who are professionals use the intrinsic value of what I'm saying. And they acknowledge that what you're saying exists. Just the same as anybody else who needs worms when they go fishing for things. They go pull back a cow patty, and underneath of all that shit, there might be a little bit of something that's usable. But usually it's like that worm and that going fishing status that we're in. You're still going fishing for answers. And you still gotta start all over again. You gotta use your you know, your raw hunting ability. And you're still hunting. Me? I'm gonna take that cow that's taking that shit that you're digging through. I'm gonna enjoy a nice steak. But before we do that, we're gonna reproduce that cow over and over again. And we're gonna, you know, have milk and we're gonna have hides and we're gonna have all of the wonderful byproducts from practicing in that industry. You're asking questions. You don't know what to say in front of people. Maybe you value what you're saying in a way that other people can't relate to. You don't know how you relate to other people. You communicate with them. You find out what their values are and you speak on their level. You want to speak in a tolerable place under favorable circumstances. 
and you want your communication to be something that everybody can look at, can interpret, is reasonable. If what you're doing is unreasonable, and you know this when you're raising your temper, if you have to apologize for it later, am I, this is a good question to ask yourself. Or am I going to have to apologize for this later? You'll know whether you should say it or not. Sometimes you do it and you know you're going to have to apologize later. You do it for the greater good. Maybe you had to, you know, kick the hell out of some guy who was a carjacker. I'm, I'm sorry you had to see that, kids. But you know the distinction between those emergency and life changing situations. And and those life-changing situations are created by outside forces. Your actions force you into a... an outlook that you have to say, you know, these things are possible, and I'm sorry that you experienced them. And I, if, if it was a more perfect world, they wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. They were created by somebody else and dealt with by you. But are you the person creating the situation that you're later going to have to apologize for? Because what happens there is sometimes we look at it and we look at the progress we're making and the person who's making the apology. And it's the same thing that you'll tell a child up front before they make a mistake. And say, don't don't do that. You're going to regret that. You know better. Should have known better. It doesn't change that we can still love each other and you know, you'd still have a future with that same person around. It just means that you've got to uh, adapt as you learn and you live at your own pace. There are people that you're going to want around in your life. Your children are going to be some of these people. How do you talk to them? How do you raise them? What does that mean to your future with those kids? Are they going to be around? Are they going to want to be around you? Have you created what is a favorable environment for them to come back and be able to trust you as they grow up and they grow out and they experience new, fresh things on their own in the world and come back and they don't just need a lesson, they need wisdom. If you establish to the people around you that you are unable to make day-to-day decisions... They can't look at you for a forecast beyond that. So have the tools. Know the forecast. Have your watch. Just be prepared. Because if you don't know what you're talking about in front of your kids, whether you're creating a scene, just being a jackass, or otherwise. And those are the most important audience members you'll ever have. If you can't do it in front of them, then what does that mean when you do it in front of somebody else? Because they'll be watching. I think that uh, those are important interactions. The kids, people come back, you know, after you're gone, or your kids, you know, are they're part of the world. They see your friends. Your friends see them. Otherwise, 
Hey, that's my dad hangs out with that guy. He's a real loser. Oh, Uncle Larry is great. Okay. Whatever their opinion might be. What's important, though, is the old Tennyson, I believe, has the old quote. He talks about whether, you know, the things that you say about other people are of a higher level of importance rather than what people say about you. So the influence you have is always going to be primary where those other things are secondary. Something I talked about earlier in this episode. You can go back and listen again. There are certain things that are secondary characteristics. Like the apology. Like the ability to cool down afterwards. That are built upon the opportunity that you put in front of it. If you act right to begin with, if you talk to your children in a responsible way with responsible information, sources and otherwise, to begin with, you conduct yourself in a well-behaved manner. They have a great example, they have a great experience, and their memory is not flawed. Because when they take that microfilm in the back of their head and they project it into the future, like what would my dad do in this situation, like old memories that you're showing on a wall, as if you're watching Christmas Vacation. He finds the old movie reels and puts them on projector and shows them on the wall. Oh, man, look at the good old days. This is what it used to be like. Those are the traditions and heritages and things that you're going to be able to either embrace or try to run from. And it will affect the most gravest decisions of your adult life. And we're finding that out as a country right now. Right now. I've got to get back to work. I hope you're having a beautiful Saturday. This was worthy of a longer episode in my eyes. But again, it's my value system. So appreciate you listening just the same. Take care. Why will it